Hey, I just want to let you know that one of the best ways to support this podcast is by checking out our sponsors. So scroll all the way to the bottom of the show notes and you'll see the exclusive deals that our sponsors are giving you. Now you may need one or more than one of their services and if you do, click on the links or their logos in the show notes to check them out. Schedule a personalized free demo with any of them. So go ahead and do that and thank you for supporting the Dental Marketer Podcast. Hey, I want to welcome you back to the Dental Marketer Podcast. I am your host, Michael Arias. And in this episode, I am speaking with David Rodriguez, who is the Vice President of Professional Relations and Marketing for Smile Direct Club, SDC. Access to care is really two things, right? It's it's identifying those markets that are underserved and creating opportunities to serve those markets, but it's also creating more opportunities and partnerships to take those services and, and almost permanently place them into those areas, right? We're very concerned about dental deserts. We do a lot of philanthropic work around scholarships with the NDA. You know, we're really thinking about dentistry holistically. This is a big part of it. If we're not a partner with Dr. Michael, we leave a lot of opportunity on the table. That's you and I. It's an interesting episode. I know a lot of you might be thinking, okay, SDC, oh my gosh, Small Direct Club, all these things. But hold up. Listen to this episode, guys. Really listen. And for those of you who are part of the Dental Marketer Society Facebook group, I asked you before we recorded with David, what questions do you want me to ask David? And you guys gave me a list of questions and I asked those questions. So if you are one of those who asked the questions, you definitely want to listen to this episode. But at the same time, it's also a good reason you should join the free Dental Marketer Society Facebook group. Uh, like I said, it's going to be one of the first links in the show notes below. So join it and then you guys can always ask any questions of upcoming guests or previous guests and so forth like that. But in this episode, I'm speaking with David Rodriguez. He's been in about in 30 years in a dentistry. He's been around, guys. He's helped start up Invisalign. He's been with Henry Shine. He's done a lot. And he's new with Smile Direct Club. He's been there for about five to six months now. And so we discuss it, right? We jump into it. We discuss, hey, what is everybody saying about Smile Direct Club? What are your thoughts? Why are people saying this? How do you really make sure a patient is, you know, diagnosed right? All these things. We also talk about what's the percentage of your SDC cases that are, end with a successful result? How do you know this? All these things. We even talk about the stock issues and stuff like that with SDC. And so that's why you guys are going to appreciate this episode. But at the same time, we talk about an interesting thing that Small Direct Club is doing now with practice owners, dentists, right? So listen up, guys, because it, it changed my view, right? And I hope it changes your view where it starts to... I like how he references the book, Who Moved My Cheese, right? And that's a really, really good book. And in that book, it talks about change. And a lot of you know, when Invisalign first came out, it was kind of like, okay, things are changing. What the heck is happening? Plastic. And then things started moving on. And now look at, uh, there's people who put on their Instagram, I'm one of the top 100, you know, Invisalign providers, blah, 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 blah. So listen to this episode, see how David talks about 
this new partnership program that he's he's talking about. But at the same time, listen to see the questions that you guys had that he answers. And we also discussed a little bit about his past, his present, how he got to where he is today. And then we also talk about technology. And we talk about what he loves about dentistry right now, what he dislikes about dentistry, and what he would like to see more from a dentist as well, and so much more. So guys, without further delay, here is David Rodriguez. David, how's it going? It's going great today, Michael. How are you? I'm doing pretty good, man. Thanks for asking. If you don't mind me asking, where are you located right now? Uh, beautiful and snowy Lake Tahoe, Nevada. Oh, man. Lake Tahoe somewhere. Okay, I know before this, you were talking about how you, where you grew up at. Uh, I'm, I'm not too far from there, actually. I'm in Southern California, too. Yeah, so we're, uh, you know, we're a car ride away and it's a great place to come spend a weekend, winter or summer. So you'll always be welcome at, uh, at my place. Nice. I appreciate that, David. So tell us a little bit about your past, your present. How did you get to where you are today? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I was on a uh, internal team meeting today and, and uh, being a panelist about my career in dentistry. It's 30 years this year, which I find hard to believe. I, I, it went very quickly, but I fell into dentistry uh, just through a family relationship and thought it would be a very temporary stop. And 30 years later, here we are. So over those number of years, I've always been pleased to be parts of what I consider to be innovative or very well-regarded organizations, Henry Schein, Strauman, Kerr, uh, and most recently about 10 years with Invisalign. So uh, if we really think about my journey there, it I'm so grateful for all the color and experience that I've been able to experience as a result of being on this side of dentistry, which is non-clinical, but really being a, a partner to clinicians. It's, it's been a great ride. Nice. So then 30 years you've been doing this. 30 years this year. What were you thinking uh, to do when you were like, okay, I'm only going to be a part of it a little bit and then move thought, on to something? Yeah, I was part of a family that at the time owned some medical businesses. I really thought I'm going to come home from college and, uh, and help dad sort of ramp up the uh, medical business. And uh, funny stories, I uh, get good news and bad news. And this is one of my last years in college. And I said, what's the good news? He said, bought you a new car. I thought, wow, that's great. What's the bad news? He said, sold the business. I thought, oh, okay, well, I better figure out something else to do. So he gave me a good bit of advice. And I, I shared this this morning. You know, if you're, and once you get a job in sales, if you're good at sales, you'll always be employable. And, you know, I think that's held true, at least in my career. And I've seen a lot of dental sales careers be very successful. So it's a good place to apply your craft, whatever that craft might be. Gotcha. And then from that point on, that's where you jumped into dental or? Yeah, I, I took a, a sales role with Vita, the uh, German company that does the shade guides and all the restorative materials. So I have restorative dentistry in my background and quite a bit of it. Uh, but when I took the job, in all honesty, uh, Michael, I didn't know teeth had shades. I didn't know they had numbers. They basically gave me the phone book and a sample bag and said, go get them, Tiger. So uh, talking about starting from scratch. So it's, it's been a great ride. And I have met the most amazing people in dentistry and I wouldn't give it back for anything. Nice. Awesome, man. Okay. So then fast forward a little bit right now. What is your area of expertise right now? Where, what's your profession? What are you doing? Yeah. So by title and vice president of marketing and professional relations for Smile Direct Club, uh, the fancy way of saying that, you know, I'm usually the uh, face and voice of Smile Direct to industry and to clinicians. For example, uh, I represent us at the DTA. I represent us with AGD Pace for our CE. Uh, go to the injury conclaves. And what I'm hoping to do and, and what I do in this role is really establish SDC, as I like to call us, uh, as a partner to industry. You know, for a long while, we're known as a consumer-only company. And in fact, we have a partner network now that works with and for dentists. And that's really what attracted me to the opportunity. You know, I got to Invisalign in 19, I'm sorry, 2011. Uh, you know, it was a pretty small company. It was about 300 million in revenue. And in 10 years, we grew it to 3 billion. And I, I really want to see if we can replicate some of that success at SDC. I think there's very uh, common opportunities that I'm excited about. Nice. 
So we'll, we'll jump into that right now, how you helped Invisalign grow. But did it always start off Small Direct Club with consumer-based or this role was always here as well, like with partners with other Oh, no, this, this is absolutely new. Um, it's, it's less than a year old. And that's the only way I became aware of the opportunity with SDC is they said, hey, we're, you know, we're looking to start a professional channel that works for and with dentists that our solution, Clearliner Solution, will start in a dental practice. You know, a prospective patient will get looked at by a dentist and will partner with that dentist to provide Clearliner therapy. So that was really the only thing that attracted me. I, I don't have consumer expertise and going to consumers is not in my experience, but working with dentists to grow practices and attract patients, that is in my experience. And so that's what I was excited about. Gotcha. Okay. So then why did this kind of come out? Because I remember watching Small Direct Club ads and, you know, commercials and stuff like that. And, and, and I, you see them, right? And um, I don't know, why did this... Who thought of this idea where it's like, okay, let's partner up with practices now? What was the reason I, for that? It's really interesting. If I can um, reference my previous experience for just a moment. While I was yeah. at this line, we actually had an equity stake in Smile Direct Club. That's public knowledge. Everyone knows that. And I think the, the thinking, if I'm wearing my Invisalign hat for a moment, is if the disruptive nature of direct-to-consumer really finds traction in our industry, I think is that as Invisalign, we, we really wanted a seat at the table. How do we maybe combine the two? How do we figure out what solution is right for what patient? And, and where is that patient? I'll give you a great example. I just came out of the Greater New York Dental Meeting, and, and, and I love Manhattan, right? Who doesn't? And there's just, you know, millions of people and prospective patients in a 10-square-mile area. Now, I have friends that are fishing guides in Montana. They're three hours away from a dentist, any dentist. And, you know, if they need care or they have a life event, someone's getting married, there's a graduation and they think, gosh, now's the time that I want that straight white smile. You know, what do we do for them? We being industry and dentistry, what, what do we do for them? So I think, Michael, at the end of the day, there's probably a place for all of that. And the industry dynamics will tell us what, where and how a patient wants to be treated. But I'm a big fan of a patient seeing a dental professional, a dentist, a hygienist someone with the clinical care and experience to say, yeah, this treatment seems to be right for you. Let's go through the process diagnostically and let's figure out what it tells us. Yeah. So, okay. So then this position or this partnership just came on like a year ago, basically. Yeah, let's, kind of, uh, almost almost exactly a year. So a little bit less. Gotcha. How's it coming along so far? So far, so good. You know, it's, it's very interesting because you alluded to it earlier, right? And most professionals, dental professionals have this notion that STC still is exclusively a consumer company. Well, we have a thousand dentists as part of our partner network so far. But if we look at, say, the number of general dentists that provide Invisalign, that's in the 80,000 range, right? So we've certainly got a long way to go, but we've had the opportunity to talk to dentists about, you know, their choices in a practice and, and their growth opportunities in a practice and what partnership really looks like. That's exciting. So I would say that we're off to a good start, but there's plenty of work to be done. Yeah. And I remember you kind of mentioned it how it was like at the beginning phases of Invisalign right now, where you're at with uh, Small Direct Club or SDC. We'll, we'll say SDC. Yeah, it's just easier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. How is that like at the beginnings of Invisalign? Yeah, you know, if I can put myself back in that, uh, in that space, it was, well, it was very dynamic. I, you know, I like to say we were paving the road as we were driving over it daily. And if we weren't for a couple key clinicians, Dr. Bob Boyd at the University of Pacific comes to mind, we wouldn't have had any credibility at all, in my opinion, with clinicians. If you can think back, this is just 10 years ago, but it's absolutely true. Mm -hmm. We were told plastic could not move teeth, that what we were doing was voodoo dentistry and that we were harming patients or potentially going to harm patients because a general dentist just doesn't have the training and expertise to provide orthodontic care. So orthodontists were really not happy. And if we think about it, to be fair, and I, I love orthodontists, many of our dear friends of mine, 
they went to a lot of school for for that ortho specialty and and they have a lot of training and how to move teeth and really aggressive movements and all that kind of great stuff and I think that it's not either or, Michael. I think it's how can we increase the total available market? How can we provide treatment to more people that are seeking it or need it? If you look at the World Health Organization, you know, 70% of the world's population has malocclusion to some degree. Well, yeah. is 70% being treated? No, single digits are being treated. So I, I wouldn't say that bracket and wire, which was the standard for 50 years, is going to be the end-all, be-all treatment modality. I wouldn't say clear aligners are the end-all, be-all. I think it's going to be a mix and match depending on what market you're in and what those patients want. And if we think of it in that way and go back to that day, we knew we were right. We knew that we had a solution that worked. And after 10 years, I don't think anyone doubts the credibility of Invisalign. I certainly don't. I think it's a great product. Yeah, no, no, you're right. Even people now are like, oh, they're the top 100 Invisalign providers, right? Or dentists, there's like those little awards. I know, and I know like most that. of those people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you see that. So is that how like STC is kind of going towards, kind of like that? Yeah, I think if you look at the analog that we created and such a talented team over there at the time, and I worked with so many great people to just think differently. You know, you want to make the analogy, we were in San Jose, we were miles from Apple and the late Steve Jobs is still alive. And we're always excited, you know, think differently in the Mac and the pirate flag and all this kind of stuff. And it, it felt like that, right? So it was kind of fun. And as the wheel started to turn where we were more readily accepted, then it became, well, how is it then we help build an ortho practice versus a general dentistry practice? They're completely different animals in that regard. And if you think about the 12,000 orthodontists in North America, the penetration with clear liners there now is, is excellent. And there's some great products in addition to Invisalign that are out there. But I would say that if you, you think back now to what we're trying to do with Partner Network, it feels very similar. And we're thinking about how do we help a practice grow? If clear aligners are the solution and Dr. Michael is, is really comfortable with clear aligners, not one size fits all. You know, there's some great products out there. Densply has got a product, Candid's out there, Clear Correct with Strauman. Uh, you know, there's, there's solutions now. Dentists have choices. So I think it now comes back to your specialty marketing, growth, recognition. How do we build a brand for this practice with some of these solutions? And you don't have to go too far back, Michael, to think about other opportunities that have worked in the past. Whitening solutions, right? Bright Smile back in the day, Da Vinci veneers for cosmetic applications, Empress. I think we have that mindset, the opportunity at SDC to create these partnerships becomes a little clearer. Yeah. So what does that look like? The partner network? What is that? What is that? The partnership? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, there's a couple ways to go after getting the diagnostics that we need. You'll see some really exciting stuff coming out. It's public knowledge about what we can do through our apps. And I'm going to talk about that later when it's appropriate. But mm -hmm. I would say that, you know, we, we can't, can't really start a case until we've got the diagnostics, obviously. So a scan and impression, et cetera. There's a few ways to do that. Obviously, we can send some PBS to that person in Montana and say, hey, you know, bite into this and we'll, we'll We'll scan it. We'll figure out what we have here. Uh, ideally, a scan is what we'd, we'd like, right? And if you think about our smile shops, they're an opportunity. There's three of them in Manhattan where I was last week. You can walk in, talk to a dental professional, typically a hygienist, and he or she will scan you and get that file put into a system. And then we, we run it through our AI and our software. And we say, yeah, Michael, you're a candidate based on what you present with, what your complaint is. We think we can help you. Oftentimes we'll say, I'm sorry, Michael, we, you know, our solution can't help you and your movement is, is more significant than, than we can actually do. And we might, you know, refer you to a local dentist or help you, you know, seek treatment elsewhere. So if you think about partner network, I can't have smile shops in every town in America. 
know, I'm in a small town, Lake Tahoe. There's no way we could put one up here, but we could have four or five local dentists that are partners to us that could do that diagnostic, have that conversation with the patient, figure out what they're trying to solve for and see if we can help them. And so that would be kind of like, okay, like in Lake Tahoe, you do all that. And then they're the ones who say, okay, let me contact Smile Direct Club. And then from that point on, we'll come up with something or? or yeah, it's pretty similar to that, right? They're going to send in the scan, hopefully. You know, if we think about PVS versus scanners, you know, any company will tell you this. I want to scan because it's so accurate, right? You know, my former employer would tell you we want to scan because we see so much else of what's going on in the mouth. We want someone to really help us there. But a good example, Michael, if you walk into that practice and they're snapped an impression and see you've got some really severe perio, that would be a disqualifier. We're not going to be able to treat you. And that's an opportunity for that practice to say, hey, Michael, let's work through this perio first. And then once we've got that under control, then I think you'd make a great candidate for clear aligner. So in theory, involving the dentist is always a good thing or involving the practice, I should say, is always a good thing. And that's really what Partner Network is intending to do. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, I'm sure you've seen that a lot, right? With the, since it's consumer, a lot of them just want like straight teeth, but they don't know everything else going on in their, in their whole situation, in their mouth, right? And so has that, let me ask you that, like, and this is one of the questions uh, one of the one of our listeners asked, like, what percentage of the cases would you say end with a successful result? And how do we know that? Yeah, so um, I'm going to give you an analog again. The, the system that we use is very similar to other clear aligners. And you can pick the name, I think. Mm-hmm. I think another one I know. And once we get those diagnostics, it's worked up into a treatment plan, which runs through some AI software, right? And so there's, in this case, we have 2 million cases in our database. And so we can pull from those 2 million cases and say, all right, this case looks like these 30,000 cases, and this is how these 30,000 treated out to final position. So if you really look at the data that we have in terms of the cases we treated, not the ones we said no to, the ones we said yes to, we hit our predicted result about 99.4% of the time. Now, the one bugaboo, Michael, and I tell this Mm -hmm. to anyone that will listen, is compliance. One thing no one controls is, is the patient wearing their aligners? Are they wearing them properly? Are they wearing them as, as much as they're supposed to? Because if you don't wear your liner, your teeth aren't going to move. Or if you've worn your liners pretty well for six months and then you stop wearing them, your teeth are going to go back to where they were before. So there's a lot more to it. But in terms of the AI, machine learning, the 2 million cases, you know, we run the same backend software as our largest competitor in the same place, Costa Rica, with a lot of the same people that I knew while I was there. And I have a lot of confidence that the treatment plan says it's going to move it to here. Uh, as long as there's compliance and nothing really wild happens, we're going to get there. Yeah. And I think that's the tricky part, the compliance, right? Like, so when it comes to that, how can we be 100% sure that like the patients, they're evaluating for themselves at home, what's going on, how they're doing everything, everything's fine, right? And then when they come to the, the dentist or something, we kind of see something is not going along yeah, the lines. That would be that would be an outlier example because each week we're having a check-in with that patient. You know, mm. I, I want to go back to this notion of telehealth, not just teledentistry, but telehealth. COVID was a game changer in terms of telemedicine because you and I couldn't easily always get into our medical care professional, regardless of what the discipline was. You know, they're closed, there's restrictions, we can't go anywhere. And yet, you know, I might have something simple that I need some care for. I personally am happy to jump on Zoom, say, hey, I've you know, got something going on here and they're going to give you an antibiotic and, and away we go. I, I don't personally feel that I got any less care. In fact, it was more convenient for me. So I think if we look at this notion of what does Zoom communication, two-way video communication allow, then now let's put it back into that question, which is, okay, once a week, 
we're checking in with that patient. Hey, Michael, have you worn your liners? Is everything going well? Are they fitting okay? Are you sore spots anywhere? No, Dr. David, in this case, uh, no, everything seems to be going pretty well. I'll tell you what, Michael, why don't you get our little, I think we call them smile stretchers, but retractors, right? Why don't you get a retractor, mm-hmm. retract your cheek and hold your phone up. And let me, let me just kind of look and see what we got going here, right? If yeah. we think about the type of cases that we treat, they're mild to moderate, right? They're two to four millimeters of movement. This is not significant. We can tell if the diastema is closing or not. Uh, and usually it's, it's, a, it's a matter of compliance because if that aligner doesn't fit, there was aligners not worn or something going on before. But if we're checking in every week, we have that contact, we're sending in the text, hey, Michael, time to change your aligner. You know, we're staying on top of it. So the example they gave me is you know, six months or eight months was the treatment time. And I show up eight months later, my anterior bite is wrong. I got a tooth coming out like this. Whatever. I, it wouldn't get there because of the system that we have put in place, at least in my experience. Okay. And then if it goes over that, is that when you're like, ooh, during the video conference, or actually who's checking in with the patients? Is it a doctor? Like somebody That's who's dentist, full-time on? Dentists and hygienists. Yes, we have a okay. dental team. Three to 400 strong, a mix of dentists and hygienists, 24-7. So we kind of manage, you know, the time zones. Right now we're in North America, in the UK, in France, and in Australia. So we kind of have to jiggle the time zones a little bit. But um, you get a hygienist or a dentist and you're very clear if it needs to be, a, you have a hygienist and it's very clear it needs escalation, immediately a dentist joins the call. So they are licensed sale professionals. Okay, got you. Because that's when, I guess, uh, one of the doctors, Dr. Hubis asked, like, how do you close so many of these two to three a millimeter midline maxillary diastemas, right, without constricting the arch or causing chewing pathways interferences for the patient? If that's the scenario, what happens? Uh, well, so first thing, we don't take all cases, right? So mm-hmm. that is within our, what we would say, our treatment envelope. You know, what turns a light green? Green or red, right? Green, we can treat that. It's within our, our movement envelope. We have confidence that we can be a, a predictable outcome for the patient and the doctor at that point. You know, mild to moderate, I, I think the software tells us with a lot of confidence, basically, and, and again, I'm not a clinician. So clinicians that are listening to this, please, you know, take that at face value, but largely these are cosmetic and aesthetic setups, right? They're not functional setups. We're not, you know, changing the class of the bite and doing really aggressive things that frankly Invisalign and and fixed orthodontics can do. You know, we're referring that out. We can't help you, Michael, the patient. Let's get you to some place that we recommend, or maybe you already have a relationship with an orthodontist and we'd recommend asking them about that. But if we go back to the question, constricting the arch, while we're we're certainly opening the bite, we're tipping teeth out, we're changing how they fit together. So it's not necessarily just via constriction. I think if you think about the bite in the posterior arch, we're not doing anything to that, right? In that particular example, and we're moving the teeth canine to canine. So if you really think about that simple nature of that case and uprighting the teeth, that would be my answer to you. Okay, no, yeah, that sounds that sounds amazing. Like you know, or it's all good. good answer. You know, or, yeah, are you a dentist? No, I just I play one on uh, podcasts. Yeah, no, 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 yeah, and, and Dr. Hubis would be the one to to follow up with that. But at the same time, let me ask you, what are the reasons I guess for partnering up? Because if I were to hear this and I'm like like in Lake Tahoe, I'm like I can just do this myself. I'll just be with him in line and do it myself. Or what's the reason for them to? Partner, is it the marketing that you guys are doing or what? Well, you know, um, I talked to a very large Invisalign provider just this week. And and this is what he shared with me. And I'm paraphrasing because it was a long conversation. But, you know, David, we've been in the same area with a number of practices for 20 years now. And everyone has heard our story about what we offer, cosmetic dentistry, Invisalign, so on and so forth. And we feel like our growth is plateauing to a certain degree. And we also have had several patients come into our practice that we didn't know went through smile direct treatment and have a reasonable outcome. They, they were happy with it. 
And I thought to myself, this doctor told me, well, it's a missed opportunity. I could have provided that service or that treatment. And I could have a, you know, kept that patient in my practice, made a happy patient out of the experience. And I booked some, some revenue as a result of that exchange. Right. Mm-hmm. So if we think about not only the, the prospective patients, I don't use the word consumer, but prospective patients that come to us, it's about 150,000 a month that contact us through our websites and, and social media and all that, that are at least interested in having their teeth straighter. Let's just call it that. Now, what comes through the bottom of the funnel that, Michael, you're now taking the next step. You're walking into a smile shop or you're looking on the website for a dentist near you that does this and going in, you know, that number is going to vary month to month. But if we think about that, there's a big subset of patients that if the average clear aligner case is five to $6,000, which is the number that I know of uh, nationally, and they can't afford it. That's, that's just not financially in their worldview at the moment, but they still, that wedding is still going to happen, whether or not they can afford the, the five to $6,000 treatment. So in that case, Dr. Michael, if you said, look, you know, David, I actually have a couple of options for you. And here's option A, and it's five to $6,000, got all these bells and whistles, and it's terrific. But I will tell you, if, if that doesn't work for you, I also have option B. In this case, that might be Smile Direct Club. And it's going to be about $2,000. The treatment is going to be very predictable. I believe that either will solve for what you're asking me to solve for, and I'll leave the choice up to you. At, at that point, that dentist is much more likely to hear yes to treatment than I have one option. It's $6,000. And you know, other than third-party financing, it's like put a watch on it, right? Come mm-hmm. back next time. We'll talk to you about it again. So I I think it's about options and we're no different than say some of our other competitors that I mentioned earlier. We're all providing a solution to a dentist and we're trying to help the dentist really position that in their practice so that they can reinvigorate the growth in this segment. Gotcha. Okay. So then this is partnership is more like, I would say your marketing is high, right? Like you're, I see you guys everywhere. I see SDC everywhere. So because of that, it's more like if I'm the dentist practice owner, a lot of your marketing is, is on you, right? And then it funnels in through there. And then it can come to me, kind of like Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 30 years here, I still believe the best things happen when I'm talking to a dentist as a patient. I see the white coat, you know, doctor such and such, and I feel comfortable and confident that the advice that doctor is giving me is relevant to me based on their experience, and they stand behind that clinical judgment, right? Mm -hmm. And, And that's just all of the research tells us that there's a large segment of the population of higher household incomes than we presently serve at SDC that would be very interested in SDC solutions for themselves or their family, but they want to hear it from a dentist. They want to talk to a dentist. And so Partner Network is really to pull those dentists in and say, there's this big group of patients out there and we'd like to send them to you so that you can provide your professional support and get them started in clear aligners and we'll be the back end. You know, if you Mm -hmm. think about it, it's not that much different than an outsourcing conversation, Michael, right? And when The original outsource is 30 years ago, your dentist had a laboratory in the back of his practice. And that person back there would make the crown, give it to your dentist, and your dentist would seed it. The original outsourcing is when the lab went away. There was a lab in the middle of town and all the dentists started to use it, right? Mm -hmm. And the outsourcing became, wow, we're sending it to Asia to make these crowns, right? And you have great labs out there like Dandy these days that are outsourcing everything. Just take a scan and we'll, we'll send it wherever we need to, to get you, doctor, the restorative solution that you're looking for. So if you think about it from a paradigm shift, we're the back end orthodontic su- support to that general dentist in that example for a mild to moderate anterior malocclusion case. It's pretty straightforward. Yeah, man, that's awesome. So 
And, and I appreciate it, David. I appreciate you answering all these questions, right? It feels sure. like sometimes you're like, oh my God, you're grilling me. But like, I appreciate you. You know what I mean? No, not at all. Or, <laughs> <laughs> and then if anybody I asked has, all these questions before I joined, by the way, I've only been yeah. with uh, SEC about five months. So okay. I, I did all of this before I got here. Yeah, because honestly, when you guys reached out and I was like, okay, let, let's see. I, I kind of did some research too. And I mean, you do see, you, like, you know, we all see the same thing in public, right? We're like, okay, stock prices are dropping. All these things is happening. I don't know. People are complaining about advertising. What's up with all that? Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. I think if you go back to being a disruptor and I'll go back to my previous experience with Invisalign, because I can probably use the stock experience there too. I'm full disclosure. I'm still a shareholder with Invisalign. So, or Align Technology. So, you know, to, to be there at 30 and leave at 700 and have it at 180, that, you know, it kind of gives you, it's like you're riding this roller coaster. You're like, <laughs> oh my gosh, my retirement, right? Yeah. Uh, but, but having said that, you know, I don't have the experience of when the IPO happened at SCC. I wasn't a member of that there. And I certainly can empathize with investors, uh, you know, across the board. If anytime I look at my stock these days, all the things are red, right? It's just like, wow, okay, I'm going to keep working and doing my thing. I, I don't judge the value of a company, you know, by their share price. When I was at Invisalign and we were $35 a share, that we should be more. We're at 700. I thought, wow, the multiple revenue. I can do the math and that's pretty, that's pretty rich, right? Yeah. So I'm not an expert. I'm not the finance guys, but I'll tell you what, I spoke with a number of um, analysts in New York as obviously they live and work there. So they came to the dental show and we're talking on the dental companies. There, there was a lot of excitement about partner network because of the TAM, the total available market. And this opens up another channel for Smile Direct Club to go after those, those patients that really are seeking this type of care and put them in dental practices and get them started at a higher margin, right? It's for everyone. So I think it's a, it's a great opportunity. But if we think about the disruptive nature, I've been there before. You know, they really wanted a line in a ditch on fire. Mm -hmm. That would have made, I will say, orthodontists in general pretty happy because we we're moving their cheese. You know, they didn't go to school and learn clear liners. And suddenly we come along with a computer program and plastic and say, great, we've got it. And, and you know, the, I think the human reaction is, oh, no, 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 no. No, you don't. And that's not how it works. So I think it's pretty easy to throw rocks. Uh, you know, I've been part of public businesses my entire career. And if someone can show me a very specific instance, we will do the research and we'll come back and say, this is exactly what happened here. And we're happy to do that. But I think my limited experience here, most of those cases have come up. It, it's sort of a, I don't know, I, it's, there's not an exact patient name or an exact case, or we go to the Better Business Bureau, we, you know, we fight the hey, we're not advertising fairly. It's an ongoing game. And I think when you're changing things as dramatically as we're changing it, you can really expect some of that. And frankly, we do. Yeah, they were the the hymns and haws and then scurry. You got to be scurry, right? You said move yeah. the cheese. So <laughs> yes, like, yes, yes, yeah, there you go. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Uh, and, you know, frankly, I expected more of that than I get. Now, mm -hmm. you know, I have very long-term relationships with clinicians, key opinion leaders. Um, I help create the aligned faculty, you know, these, these clinicians that go out and really advocate for that type of therapy and this particular product and their peer reputation is unmatched, right? And, and you know, you look over here as we're creating that at STC with, you know, very similar types of clinicians and they believe, I believe. And, you know, if I really felt or any of us felt that we were harming patients or was proven we're harming patients, none of us would do it. I certainly wouldn't. Think about safety and efficacy. Clearliner therapy is very safe and effective. And we're no different than any of our competitors in providing that type of care. Yeah. No, yeah. And you know what? I, I think change is going to happen more now than like we've seen in like, you know, 50 years, 60 years, in the next like five years. So it's things are changing. And so in a nutshell, I guess the partner network is like for the people who go to Small and Direct Club and then you guys say, 
you're not you're not a candidate. Sorry, there's too much going on. Or this is not happening. This won't yeah, be a great. Something like that. You send them to dental office, right? The partner. Or yeah. if maybe they're already in small direct club, but then things aren't working out. It's just like, man, you're, you need better supervision, more accountability, something, right? You send them to the partner. Yeah. In that case, they could go back to the partner. Absolutely. Now, I'm certainly of, uh, of an age now. I'm, I'm no longer 20 or 30. Uh, in fact, I have a son that's, you know, 17 going on 30. But, you know, they learn everything off an of iPad. Everything mm-hmm. is from a YouTube video. It, you know, everything is an influencer and online. And, and that is a little bit different to me. But Having said that, what we've learned is that a lot of the younger dentists are really getting that, their information and their knowledge, uh, or at least growing that based on these sort of media type approaches. And believe it or not, our brand with consumers is actually quite strong from an MPS perspective. The untold number of young team members that came by our booth in New York and did the jingle, Smile Direct Club. And I thought, yeah. wow, it works, right? Yeah. Uh, so, so having said that, the, the point I'm trying to make is if we think about how we're disrupting a business, we're digitizing a business. And one thing I learned from the leader at, at Align was digital always wins. Digital mm. always wins. Think about access to care, Michael. You know, it's a two-way street, right? And we're involved in both sides of it, is democratizing care, opening up via you know, the financial trans- transaction or how you get involved to a lot more prospective patients. Now, does that mean a lot more say yes? Well, we certainly hope so. But at the end of the day, if they're seeking care, they're going to find it. And if I've partnered with Dr. Michael in this case, and you've got two solutions, you have a better chance, maybe 2x, of helping that patient, of hearing yes and building your practice on a positive outcome with this patient at a price point that they felt comfortable with, with a result that they're proud of. Okay. Okay. And so you said how much a month people are coming in? Oh gosh. The number of interests. Is that right? Yeah. 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 yeah about 150,000 a month. And like patients, like potential patients? Uh, yeah, like, just, or just, ping, just pinging like, Hey, I'm interested in straightening my teeth. What does that look like? And mm-hmm. so if you think about the power of that, right? Let's just be conservative and say 10,000 of that 150 are really interested They've got a life event coming up or, hey, you know, this is just time. They've, they've hit a midlife crisis. Like the kids are now in college and now it's me time, right? Okay, great. How do I get after it? So we can start a couple of different ways, one of which is in a dental practice called Care Plus, And th- this might be a great fit for you. So we want to give them options. We want people to come in and seek treatment. We're aware that not everyone's going to qualify for treatment, you know, from a functional standpoint or peril involvement, whatever it is. But we'd rather get all of that interest in we think dentistry wins as a result, right? Because how many people, and you've been around for a while, how many people still have that, I hate the dentist? I never understood that. I, I don't hate the dentist. The dentist is trying to help you, right? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and yet, oh man, I haven't seen a dentist in five years. And they're perversely very proud of that. And I'm thinking, wow, what's going on in your mouth, right? Yeah. So from that standpoint, I believe straight teeth are healthy teeth. And I have for the last 15 years in, in orthodontics, right? And I think more people coming in and at least asking those questions, getting, you know, some diagnostics done, talking to a professional, that helps everybody. Okay. So then with that, the 150 or like, let's just say 10,000, that's still happening right now with like inflation and, and like a recession. We're technically in a recession. We just don't want to admit it sometimes. Yeah. But like, yeah. So how is that? Can we foresee or have insight and be like, this number is going to rise up? The macroeconomics are awful. Uh, you know, I, I don't celebrate that for ourselves or any of our competitors, right? It's, it's not the easiest time in the last three years to be a dentist. They can't find team. And that's another great advantage to our system we should talk about, right? They can't find team. Uh, you know, hygienists sort of walked away and never came back. And yeah. so you have dentists doing hygiene, 
If I think about running a practice and I've been a practice consultant, I think about the cost of that. I think, oh my gosh, you know, and the opportunity cost of that dentist is now not drilling and filling or now not doing some other procedure that has a high value to their production that day, right? So if we think about this, the macroeconomics will eventually improve. Is that tomorrow? I don't know. Is it six months from now? You know, I don't get paid to to make those guesses, thank goodness. But if you hear the investor calls from Invisalign, from Densply, from Strauman, ourselves, we're all seeing it the same way. We're fortunate in that our price point is more affordable. So we're probably getting more yeses vis-a-vis than some other competitors, but it's still not wine and roses for us these days. You know, those those economic headwinds affect everybody. Yeah. What is the price point? It's about $2,000 to a patient for the care, which is sort of the basic version. And then about twice that for Care Plus, which is coming out and has a lot more involvement and sort of a lot more bells and whistles. And if we think about new patient acquisition, that's probably where I'd sort of stake my flag and say, gosh, this is us being the best partner possible to a dentist is through Care Plus. Oh, gosh. That's the one where like, we'll probably be a part of the partner program and everything like that? Yes. Okay. Would the other one be two or no? Very limited uh, that the partner could take the diagnostics for us and just send it in. But the patient said, look, I, you know, I want the sort of you know, the basic version of this. And the first thing I heard when I, well, not first thing, but one of the first things I heard when I was going through this process is dentists aren't involved. I think we all know that that's not true. So it goes down to Costa Rica and a dentist or orthodontist, you know, looks at the treatment plan. It goes back to, in your case, the state of California, we have licensed providers that look at the treatment plan and, you know, for, yep, okay, great. In my professional opinion, that fits the parameters and we have a good feeling about how that treatment's going to turn out. So, You know, if you can get past the obvious misconceptions, I think it's a really interesting model because if we take it back to economy, (laughs) is there a dentist that you know right now? I'm sure there's a few, but generally speaking, are they killing it? No, they're they're like, wow, okay, I'm pulling my horns a little bit. I want to make sure that, you know, I've I've got everything on track. I'm taking care of my employees. And when the economy turns, I'll I'll dial everything back up again. That's what I'm hearing, right? (laughs) But if you think about chair time with a competitive aligner, you have the initial visit. And then every three months, you, Michael, the patient, are coming in for more aligners and a checkup. Let's call that a blended visit, right? You're probably seeing the assistant and you are seeing the doctor. So some blended share value, some X dollars that cost you to come in four or five times. Then there's a refinement, right? Got to come in, take another scan, do the refinement. This doctor might have, I don't know, six hours of chair time in that clear aligner case. Well, now he doesn't have that assistant. She didn't come back. Or the hygienist is, you know, double booked. And how do I appoint? How do I schedule? What's the workflow look like? And if you think about outsourcing ortho and you see that patient the first time and at the end, unless they want to come in and see you again, it's a lot more efficient and you don't have to worry about, gee, I've got my assistant dedicated this afternoon to all of my, you know, my recall visits on clear liners. It just doesn't happen that way. Okay. Yeah. No, that's, that's really, really nice. When it comes to, I know we touched on it a little bit, but let's rewind a little bit. You mentioned about, um, shortage, right? In teams. And if we partner up with SDC, I would assume and hope like, okay, we're getting in more new patients, right? Or more people, more interest. How do you guys, I guess, provide like the day-to-day support with that? Yeah, it's great. So we have some customer care reps out in the field. So you're you're talking, you certainly can do a lot of this digitally. You can Zoom with us and all that kind of good stuff, but we'll go get you all set up. Uh, we call our purple blurple. I'm I'm not sure why I think there's a, a marketing that, you know, actual, the color has black in it, what have you, but <laughs> we set you up with all the blurple stuff, you know, the step and repeat, the oral care line. A lot of people don't recognize we've got a wildly successful consumer oral care line, you know, bleaches and water pick devices and all the you know, power toothbrushes and all that kind of stuff. You go to Walmart, Target, you see it there. 
So I'm really excited about trying to tie in that brand recognition that someone's at Walmart and sees our oral care line, and now they're in the dentist's office and they see the same things like, oh yeah, I'm familiar with that, right? So it's, it's kind of an interesting way to think about, okay, we're creating surround sound around the brand. If I'm a dentist and I'm gonna sell myself for a second, if I'm a dentist and I think about, okay, you know, nine out of 10 patients walking in the door that want this treatment, I didn't know that I had no connection to them. They weren't already in my practice. And I have a chance to put on my best face and keep them in my practice after this treatment is done. I think, and I'm sure you know as well, there's a lot of ways you can do that. At the end, when I like my smile and I'm happy, I'm in front of that step and repeat, or take that picture, hashtag straight smile with Dr. You know, Jones, and everyone's excited and we're creating a lot of energy and I'll give you this oral care swag bag with all the stuff and it's great. And by the way, on the way out, I say, hey, Michael, I'd love to see you back for a cleaning. This one's on me. Come back in about six months. We'll check on that smile. We'll get you in for a cleaning and just make sure that, you know, it's white and bright going forward. I think that's a great way to hand off a prospective patient to that practice that they can keep them. And if we think about this, let's say for the sake of argument, it's five patients a month, just a number I pulled out of thin air, right? <laughs> and you keep three of those patients. Well, let's do some math. Maybe that's 10, 12, 15 patients a year as an annuity effect year after year, that might be 20, 30, 40 patients after three or four years. And you know the lifetime value of a patient as well as I do. So I just don't know a lot of other brands that have this consumer interest that are putting patients into practices today. I, I mean, it might be happening, but I don't know it. And I know I've been part of businesses that talked about it before. We're actually doing it. And that's what excites me. That is exciting. Yeah. So I didn't even know you guys did all that. The water pick. Yeah. I, did, I didn't either. So I got there. I'm like, wow, really? That, that, the business is that big? It's, it's pretty cool. Oh, wow. Okay. 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 So, I mean, I f it sounds like to me, David, you guys have locked in on your marketing, right? Like everything's fantastic. Everything's going good. The consumers are, are you know what I mean? They're, they're taking this product. But at the same time, now you've kind of realized, hey, there's not going to be, there's too many people with needs and we're, we're just, we're just us. We need to outsource this to give it to funnel it to other dentists kind of thing. Yeah, I, I go back to this notion of partnership, right? And, and if you participate in dentistry, if you, you take revenue out of dentistry, I, I think you need to, you need to be a part of dentistry, right? And this is creating opportunities for practices to grow based on a solution that 150,000 prospective patients a month tell us they're interested in. Well, you know, if, if we can facilitate that, I don't know how much better partner we can be to dentistry, even on a micro level, you know, Incline Village, Nevada, here around the corner, you know, mm -hmm. there's three or four dentists in town. And if we just gave them one or two patients a year that were interested in this, you know, that that's real growth for them, or at least the opportunity to grow and being that partner and really allowing for more patients to receive care in and of itself is a great thing. Access to care is really two things, right? It's it's identifying those markets that are underserved and creating opportunities to serve those markets, but it's also creating more opportunities and partnerships to take those services and, and almost permanently place them into those areas, right? We're very concerned about dental deserts. We do a lot of philanthropic work around scholarships with the NDA. You know, we're really thinking about dentistry holistically. This is a big part of it. If we're not a partner with Dr. Michael, we leave a lot of opportunity on the table. That's you and I. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and the, and the patient, right? The potential patient. But this is interesting. Like I, I you open my eyes a little bit, David, because I feel like for the longest time when Small Direct Club kind of came out, we always kind of saw them as like, oh, our competitors. And then the small shops happened. And then we're like, they're right across the street, right? From like me, are you serious? Like that's yeah. like, but, but now it's more like we have to, like you said, move the cheese, right? Like shift our mindset and mm -hmm. kind of just say, well, we're working together now. 
Right. Yeah. Well, this is uh, you guys will funnel things to me. And at the same time, like, I mean, I don't see how you can come out losing. You know what I mean? I don't see how a practice owner can come out losing in any of this, because no matter what, the consumer is either going to go to them. They already had it in mind or yeah. now they're going to have to go to you because they went yeah. to them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. I'm glad you're recognizing that. That's how we feel about it. And that's what we're really trying to build. You know, when I get on some of the calls inside and there's really smart, young, very young people talking about Facebook algorithms and TikTok videos. And, and, I, and I know that's part of creating awareness for dental care, right? If you have a smile that you're unhappy with, and I've listened to a number of your podcasts, number one, I, I think your guests are great. And I really learn, you know, from their experiences. So well done with that. But if you talk about, I think you had a Dr. Soto from San Francisco on recently, and he was talking about, you know, really high-end cosmetic care in an urban market, but also having to expand his brand to, so he can create a better opportunity for those patients looking for care and for his business, his practice as a business. And that solution is maybe something a lot of other practices aren't doing, but maybe they should. And I think about this in very similar terms. This is a little bit different, but it, it's also new and exciting that if we can, you know, figuratively hold hands, Dr. Michael, here in, you know, Incline Village, Nevada, and build a sustainable business that patients seek in Clearliner Therapy, go and see you because you've got some great choices and you've got a great reputation. Everybody wins. Dentistry wins and patients win. Yeah. Nice, man. Okay. Yeah. That when Dr. Soto told me he had like 50 plus practice, that's San Francisco right there. Like it's yeah. one building and you have, and so oh, yeah. you can't Sutter, depend Sutter on Sutter Street. I've been in that building as a sales rep. It's like every floor has dentists on it. It's the craziest thing. I know. And then imagine like the patient walking in, uh, you know, they're walking in the wrong one all the time. So yeah, exactly. And and of course that practice, oh no, yo, absolutely. We're yeah. happy to see you today. Yeah. Have a seat. Well, that's crazy. Yeah. Like yeah. SEO would, I don't know if it would work in that situation at all. So there's, it's yeah. so different, but Awesome. All right, David, I want to ask you some questions just to get into the head of someone who is totally involved on the clinical side of dentistry. Right now, what would you like to see more from a dentist? That is a great, great question. I would like to see more openness to technology. And, and what I mean by that is if you think about technology as a way to address capacity issues, it's not just us. I'm, I'm wide lens here. You know, digital diagnostics are fast and efficient. Dentrix or any of the, you know, the management systems, um, the scans, if we can see it, we can treat it. This sort of daisy chain of great things happening in a practice. I think if, you know, I, I've been in so many situations where I just got the hand from a doctor. I'll give you a great example is Cone Bean. When Cone Bean first came out, I was with Shine and walking into your practice, Dr. Michael, and saying, you know, this machine costs half a million dollars and it's as big as your third operatory, but we really think you need it. How many doctors said, oh, absolutely, I'll take two? None, right? Mm -hmm. Yet, if we think about implantology and the, the potential risks to implant surgery, you know, uh, paresthesia, those types of things, right? Suddenly, if you've got the diagnostics that say, I have exactly this much room and exactly this much depth, and you dial in that little, you know, that kit with your implant, you've got confidence. You can share that confidence with the patient. But they had to get past the investment to use that, you know, that information, that digital information to create that value chain. So if we think about it, I'd really like schools in particular to invest more in some of this newer technology. I mean, digital radiography is not new. You'd be surprised the schools that still don't really employ it. Scanners, mm -hmm. not new. There's one scanner in a, in a school and they're running it around four floors up and down, you know, buy a few more scanners, right? So I, I think the openness to how technology might improve patient care, because that's where I stop and start. Did the patient benefit? Is this good care? Let's work backwards from that. And if they're open to technology, helping them get there more efficiently, more effectively, more profitably, then a lot of this would be a lot easier. 
Nice. Okay. I like that. And then right now, what do you hate or dislike about dentistry? That's a great question. I'm not sure I, I hate anything about dentistry. It's been great to me and my family for 30 years, and I'm proud, super proud to be a part of dentistry. I think, Michael, it's no different today. And, and people ask me, like, how did you end up at SDC? I've always been so proud of the brand I represented. Strauman, Henry Schein, Kerr, Vita, some of the, the best names in industry. And I walked in and, and if a dentist and I didn't communicate well or, or the dentist see my point of view about it, I always thought I was doing something wrong because mm-hmm. that brand and that product was good. I, I must have put it in a ditch somehow. So I, I don't hate anything about dentistry because it's, it's been so good to me. But I think what I dislike about dentistry is you know, change immediately brings out the rocks. You know, instead of being open to change, I'm going to grab a rock and I'm going to throw it at that change until, you know, I knock that change out and it goes away. And I've seen it multiple times. And I think, you know, I hope the newer generations of dentists are more open to that, that especially around technology. Oh, you mean I can press the easy button? Oh, great. I'd rather just do that, right? Where the, you know, the more seasoned dentists might not have that same opinion. So I, I think what I dislike about dentistry is the reluctance to embrace change and particularly technology innovation. Why do you think that is? Why do you think we're, we're like that, like with the change, you know? I, I think because we didn't learn on it. That's what it comes back to for me. I didn't learn on that in school. And so somehow now I'm uncomfortable with it because that now isn't my deep experience. And when I put on that white coat, you know, that patient expects me to have the answers. They really do. Now, I'm not a dentist. I don't play one on TV. I have so much respect for them. But the clinical challenges that come up all the time with new treatment modalities, new types of materials. And of course, we're all dentists on Google now. We just jump on Google and we type it in and we think we know. So I go into a dentist and say, hey, Dr. Michael, I want this. I'm not a candidate for that, right? But I don't know that because Google said I was. Right. So I, I empathize with them. But then on the other hand, my airline broke, my hygienist didn't show up today. And, you know, my landlord wants to raise my rent. It's just not an easy job. And so I, I certainly believe that if they were more open to partnerships, and I'll use that word very carefully, and they have trust in those partnerships, then I think that they would enjoy what they do maybe more than they do now. And they'd certainly have some choices as to, you know, let's reinvest in the business or let's take Fridays off and go golfing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Awesome, man. And then right now, what do you love about dentistry? I love what I'm doing. I really do. I'll tell you why. Dear friends of mine that are in the industry said, you're going to go to SDC. And I said, yep. And I'm going to change the perception of SDC. And, and so that's what I love about it is the challenge. I would not have taken the role if I didn't believe that what we're doing was safe and effective. Let's just put that on the shelf, but also a great opportunity to create partnerships for dentists my best friend married a dentist, so she immediately became my dentist through marriage, right? Yeah. And I think about Dr. Ann uh, and, you know, some of the challenges she's facing in her practice and, and what a partnership really could do for her, not necessarily just for us, but maybe some others. And I really think that if we could, again, figuratively hold hands with more practices, patients benefit, dentists as business people benefit, and their teams benefit as well because practices have another opportunity to grow and thrive. Nice. Awesome. Awesome. All righty. And so then, what does the future hold for SDC? Wow. Well, if you ask me, we're going to be this huge partner network. You know, where you have an analog out there, one of our competitors has 80,000 general dentists that are able to provide their solution. I'd love to get our group to that number. But I actually do believe in the mission of really providing access to care. So we're democratizing care because we're making it more affordable and putting it in more places. That's great. But I would say from a legacy standpoint, 
I'd really like to see us continue to double down on the, on the scholarships and the investments in underserved communities and, you know, the grants for preventative care. You know, there's schools like Meharry in Nashville, where SEC is based that, you know, they really need a technology infusion and they're, they're looking for help to really turn out that next level of dentist that historically goes into, you know, underserved communities. It's an HBCU and as a historically black college or university, they've got a very specific mission for care. And if we can come alongside and, and really assist them, I like math and I know this doesn't sound right, but it's true every time I do it. One plus one can equal three. And that's one example of it. So I think the mission is much wider than just growing how many cases we do a month. It's really being a partner to dentistry. And that's at all those levels I talked about. Awesome. All righty, David. Sounds good. Sounds good. If anybody has any questions, concerns or anything like that, where can they reach out to you? Oh, yeah, sure. I will. I have this really convoluted email. I'm, I'm happy to put it in the chat, but it's david.rodriguez02. Apparently there's another David Rodriguez in Smile Direct. I think he works in Costa Rica, but david.rodriguez02 at smiledirectclub.com. Easy way to get me. I certainly, if you'd like give my phone number, they can just text me there. I, I'm easily available. I've had the same contact information for 30 years, so. Okay, awesome. So guys, that's all gonna be in the show notes below if you wanna reach out to David. And David? Thank you so much for being with us. It was a pleasure and we'll hear from you soon. Michael, thanks for the opportunity. Really enjoyed it and keep on doing the great work. All right, guys, that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. And David, thank you so much for being a part of the podcast. We truly appreciate it. Guys, if you want to reach out to David, text him or message him or anything like that or email him, go in the show notes below and reach out to him. You'll find his contact information there and you can ask him any questions or concerns that you may have. And at the same time, guys, please, if you want to support the podcast, the best way to support the podcast is to check out our sponsors. So go all the way to the very bottom of the show notes. And if you need any of their services, feel free. Feel free to click on their images or links, schedule a free demo, personalized trial, things like that. And if you like what you're seeing and you feel like they're a good fit for you, then you get an exclusive deal. So go ahead and do that. Just scroll all the way to the bottom of the show notes. And guys, I hope this episode gave you a little bit more insight, more information on SDC. I know it did for me. So let me know your thoughts in the Facebook group, The Dental Marketer Society. And thank you so much for tuning in. And I'll talk to you in the next episode.